Welcome to the Launch Your Live podcast, a show dedicated to providing you with daily, top-level, live video tips, tricks, and strategies to not only help you start, but also excel at live streaming. Here are your hosts, Christian Karashevitz and Jim Fuse. Are you looking to live stream and think you need expensive software? Think again. Live streaming from your browser has become a quick and effective way to get started and look professional on your live videos. This week, Jim and I will be discussing how to live stream from your browser with Gage Van Top of StreamYard. Now, in addition to that, we're also going to discuss the advantages and the disadvantages over using a browser-based live video solution. So we welcome Gage Vanentop, co-founder of StreamYard. So Jim, I know you and I have talked a lot about this. We've experimented with quite a number of live streaming software. You know, there are browser-based solutions. There are desktop applications that you need to run. There are even, I think, some additional options as well. For example, uh, people might be using some hardware encoders to do, you know, a lot of the processing, things like that, you know. And I know this week we want to make sure we talk with Gage about this. And that's because Gage has actually built a fantastic solution. And that's a solution we're using right now, isn't it, Jim? Absolutely. And I've been using it uh, since February of uh, 2019. And it, it just really has made a huge difference uh, for me not only in the show I do, but even what I'm able to do as a remote producer. I mean, StreamYard is one of the things I like about it is, as I like to say, in a sense, it's uh, operating system agnostic. You know, some of the programs, like even though Ecamm's a great program, you got to have a Mac, StreamYard, Windows, Mac, uh, other other things as well. And, and you know, but the, yeah, let's bring Gage on because he can definitely talk about this a lot more and uh, really excited to have him on with us today. So welcome, Gage. Thanks a lot for joining us for, what is this, episode 29 of the Launch Your Live podcast. And this is the interview series over on our YouTube channel. So thanks a lot for joining us. Of course. Thanks so much for having me on the, uh, on the show. I'm excited to be here. So we've got a few questions we want to ask you in terms of using live video from your browser. Uh, but first, I'm sure listeners and viewers want to hear, how did you actually get started with live video? You know, you have this amazingly successful browser-based live streaming solution, but how did you get started with live video? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I, I'm a bit of a nerd uh, by by background, so my story of how I got started is probably a bit different than others, but um, my, my co-founder, uh, Dan Briggs, uh, and I went to university together, and we both studied um, engineering, not, not software engineering or computer science, believe it or not, but um, I was in electrical engineering, he was in mechanical engineering, and um, we just loved building stuff together. And we sort of naturally gravitated towards software because it was so much uh, easier to quickly uh, spin up a project and put it in front of someone versus, you know, trying to build a mechanical engineering project, which costs a lot more money and a lot more, more time to get a, a V1 out. Um, so we, we slowly started getting into uh, like VoIP type applications and meeting type applications and just really enjoyed the technical side of that. And um, after university, uh, we, we were very interested in, in starting a company together. We, we loved working together and we, we loved making products that, that people love. So we figured, you know, 
what, what, what's a, what better uh, route to take than, you know, starting a company together. Um, so why, why live streaming? So Twitch was always fascinating, um, particularly to me, Dan as well, but I, I was more interested in Twitch from both, mostly from a business perspective, because um, I don't know how familiar people are with the live streaming landscape out there, but there's been a lot of platforms that have come uh, and gone, like dozen, probably maybe even hundreds. I don't know. There's been a lot of failed live streaming platforms. And Twitch was one of the first ones to really find the right uh, recipe where they had this explosive uh, growth. And um, our hypothesis was that it sort of came down to a few different factors. So one of those was demographics. So gamers are pretty tech savvy individuals and they have the powerful computer for playing the video games, right? So it's pretty easy for them to set up a high quality uh, with good production um, broadcast because they have the know-how and they have the computer to do it. So that was one huge uh, advantage. And then they also have the entertainment factor of being able to offload the entertainment to the video game they're playing. So it's easier for them to make, you know, uh, good content compared to something like Meerkat or or Periscope, where it's just like you in front of a camera, like trying to be as entertaining as you can without being able to sort of defer to something else. Um, and Twitch was fantastic for the industry, for the gaming industry in general. It was a catalyst for all kinds of stuff. There's now like gaming commentator is now a job, and Twitch certainly accelerated um, accelerated that sort of growth in the in the industry. And we figured if we could make a tool uh, that sort of worked around those uh, those advantages that that they had like if we made something that was really easy so you didn't have to have a powerful computer and you didn't have to know anything to use it um and then also instead of the uh gaming being the sort of entertainment maybe having panel uh, a panel or guests to be able to make the show more engaging and some unique tools like overlays and banners and comments maybe that same effect twitch had for the gaming industry maybe we could have that effect in different industries. So people that were super into fishing or cars or knitting or, or whatever it is, uh, would be able to grow their industry through live streaming the same way Twitch did for video games. Um, and that was the hope. I mean, a lot, uh, and then a lot of research went into it to, to decide like, is this a real problem? Like do people actually, is this is a solution for this already exist? And after doing, you know, a lot of, of market research, we came to the conclusion that no, there's a real, there's a real need for this. And that's ultimately why we built. I will say this. I mean, you mentioned there are, there, there probably were hundreds of various live streaming software. I can tell you right now, I tested a ton of them, you know, and my bank account tested a ton of them as well, unfortunately, you know, and it was, <laughs> you know, I would use a service for maybe a month and then it would get bought out. For example, just as it was starting to gain some steam. You know, like Blab started back in the days of Blab, moved into, uh, you know, and I liked the platform. And then we moved into some other ones and I moved into like, you know, one of them literally got bought like I think two weeks after it. So it really made it, I will say, it made it so hard to like, okay, so what's the next one? Because I needed features, the ones you've described. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to go to this expensive software, you know, because I'm tired of these browser-based ones that are, you know, they're popping up and then they're disappearing. And I tried the expensive software and, you know, to your point as well, I mean, you had to have a very high end piece of hardware and extremely fast internet to actually get that to work. And, you know, there was a big investment up front. And so it was great software, but, you know, again, it was so technical that it made it really hard to invest in live streaming, I think. So, uh, Jim, do you want to take the next question for Gage? Yeah, so, so Gage, I mean, what uh, so so then I guess what really drove you guys to create Streamyard is you felt like you had this this space. I mean, what's that what's that journey been like so far? Uh, the the journey as far as like growing like Streamyard itself, the journey there. 
Yeah, so um, we're very fairly methodical about our growth. So it's been pretty steady the entire time because we, you know, for and anyone who's starting anything, whether it's a company or a live stream or a podcast, before you start anything, I would really, you know, put a lot of time and effort into talking to who. For I guess if it's a company, it's a user. If it's a if it's a podcast, it's a, a listener. But talk to those people that are your that that are your sort of target audience to decide whether or not you should actually put, make the investment in this. Cause if you do that, I mean, it, it, it will uh, eliminate a lot of the, the risk going into it. So uh, it's been great. Like people have been so receptive to, to us as a platform and it, it, it was even more of a need than we thought. Like it really resonated in a way that we didn't expect um, particularly in sort of the community aspect of it, where we sort of thought like people are going to see us as a tool um, and it's going to be growth is going to be difficult. Like it's going to be require quite a bit of effort as far as marketing and stuff to, to actually grow the tool. We are really surprised by how organic it was and how people really rallied around it. And I do think our own show was a big part of that. So that's another suggestion I'd have if you, uh, I don't know how many listeners out there maybe have their own uh, company or their own product. Um, but it can be very effective for building, you know, a, a, a very authentic brand. If you do do a sort of town hall type show whether it's weekly or it's monthly to really connect with your users so they like and you know it doesn't have to be amazing like you don't have to be a super charismatic person it's just just them knowing that you care and you're listening and you're showing up for them day or week after week or month after month um it it just it compounds and over time you'll you'll really have a powerful community that's you know going to bat for you and you know gage yeah gage i was going to say too that one of the things that really has always struck me about you guys over other companies in this space is that exact thing. I mean, the amount of time that you and Dan spend in the community, like even in the Facebook group, is unparalleled. I, I can't think of anybody else that does what you guys do. And I think it's amazing. I know we talked about that in San Diego earlier this year. <clears throat> but I also think that one of the things that I think has been, in my opinion, a key to your success is your three pillars, right? It's stream stability, professional looking streams and ease of use. And you guys have stuck to that, right? You haven't let yourself get off track as much as sometimes I feel like your community may be asking for stuff. That's a little bit outside of that. You guys have stuck to your core mission. And I, I think going back to your community build, I mean, what a great idea just, you know, for other companies that might be listening or watching this, right? Why not have, even if it's once a month, kind of that town hall to communicate with your, with your people. Yeah, absolutely. And I t totally agree. The pillars, uh, I should have mentioned them. Those have been big for us as well. And uh, we do our very best to not uh, to not compromise. There's definitely it's de there's definitely a gray area between overreaching and not. But I think people respect that as well. Like the people that use StreamYard want something that's easy and just works. And um, they, they respect the fact that we're committed to serving them and we're not, you know, getting distracted by bells and whistles and things like that. So I have a question for you. So I know we said the topic of the show is going to be on live streaming from your browser. So can you kind of break down what's the difference between browser-based live streaming and utilizing, you know, a, a native application you have to actually install on the hardware that you're going to run it on? I mean, I, yeah, I realized like, okay, so yeah, you have to install the application on the machine versus the browser-based side runs through, you know, your popular web browser such as Google Chrome, Safari, and so forth. But can you kind of break that down? Like, why would you go with a browser-based solution versus having to actually install on a machine? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And there's quite a bit to unpack there. So uh, people often use the term browser-based, but I, uh, I wouldn't actually classify StreamYard as a browser-based tool. So the browser happens to be the technical term is the client. Like the, the browser is how you access StreamYard. 
um, but truly we're more of a cloud-based solution, uh, meaning that the processing and the mixing and and the heavy stuff happens on StreamYard's infrastructure. Like a tool that is truly, you know, browser-based, and there are tools like that, is where everything is actually happening in your browser. So there's no cloud component. All the mixing is done uh, inside the browser. Um, so it's going to be a lot heavier on, on, on your computer. So I, I'd say that's browser-based and StreamYard is more cloud-based. And right now it just happens to be that the browser is the client uh, that we support. But in the future, who knows? In the future, maybe we will support uh, native applications and things uh, like that. So I guess maybe it should be split up into uh, downloadable software, browser-based, cloud-based. And it is, it is sort of, the waters are sort of muddy because you could technically, you know, have a cloud-based solution that was a, uh, a native application. But I'll start with, so the nice thing about software uh, solutions and some of the more technical solutions, and in some cases, I would even rec- recommend them. I think before the show, we were talking a bit about uh, like actual hardware encoders is that stuff can be incredibly useful if you're producing um, like super high quality events where you're actually on the road or in person where you need multiple camera angles and uh, super sophisticated switching is like that. That's not, uh, I've never seen a browser based solution where that, that would suit that need. So you should, mm-hmm. that's where, you know, it's actual hardware encoding is great. Uh, partially because it has, like you said, dedicated hardware for actually doing the encoding. So um, a computer itself is not always optimized uh, for the process of live streaming. So like if you just get a random Windows PC or random mm-hmm. uh, Mac, uh, sure, they do, a, they do a pretty good job. And if you get a powerful computer, maybe they do a very good job, but it's never going to match um, like a, I, mean, I don't know who some of the manufacturers are, but like a Blackmagic device or these devices right. where they actually have chosen the chips and whatnot to uh, fully handle uh, the process. And it's, so you're, so it's, there's certain scenarios where that totally makes sense. Um, I would suggest maybe looking at browser-based. I'm not a huge fan of in general because it sort of is like, it doesn't have the advantages of cloud-based and it doesn't have the advantages of the software where you have some more flexibility as far as the types of devices you can use and uh, how technical you can get. Uh, But cloud-based, I would consider using if, um, you need a simple tool that just works no matter what device you're on. Um, so because it's, uh, it doesn't matter if you're on a Chromebook or if you're on a powerful computer, because that mixing is happening uh, off of your system, you're going to have a good experience no matter what. Um, sure, you're not going to be able to, um, you know, maybe have six different cam- camera angles or do uh, crazy switching or things like that. Um, maybe in the future, maybe there'll be, maybe there'll be uh, I, I guess I'm speaking specifically about StreamYard, but maybe in the future there'll be more cloud-based tools that do handle things like that. Um, but I'd probably make the decision based on what equipment do you have? How much of an investment do you actually want to make into learning the equipment? Like it's not, it's not a no brainer figuring out how hardware encoders work and how to set them up and whatnot. So I guess I would make the decision based on how, how highly produced does your show need to be? How much time do you want to put into learning that stuff? Um, and then go from there. Yeah. So that, so that really sounds like you're, you're kind of giving us some of the advantages of that. And so I guess, Really, I guess I had never thought of it, right? You're learning something just by having this interview because I guess everyone thinks of you as a browser-based software, but like you said, you're really in the cloud. So how do you see that then as as the advantage over like say using software or to your point, even like the, if you want to call it classic browser-based live streaming? Yeah, so the main advantage of the cloud is that your computer isn't doing the work, right? And it's probably more uh, reliable, assuming you're using a good cloud-based solution and that at least I can speak to StreamYard if uh, like it accounts for different types of failures, right? So your computer, it's a low percentage chance, but it's possible that you know your internet goes out or uh, the computer just breaks down. Whereas when you're in the cloud, like StreamYard, for example, if, if a system on StreamYard has an issue, 
uh, that stream is automatically picked up by another computer and the process just goes on uh, seamlessly. I mean, you're still susceptible to if the client itself loses internet, you're still going to have that problem. But um, you sort of mitigate the risk uh, for for certain things just because you have a, a cloud that is that is dealing with it. Um, that being said, most cloud solutions are never going to have the customizability uh, that you're going to have on your own computer, where you can literally do whatever you want, have a crazy powerful computer and do whatever you want, because a cloud-based solution is always going to be tailored to the needs of many people versus if you set something up entirely on uh, your own. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting dis distinction because theoretically you could have uh, you could have a software you could have a downloadable software that that had a, a cloud component to it. So we're a cloud-based solution where the, the client, the way you stream from is the browser, but theoretically uh, we, we could in the future have a software, a downloadable native software component as well. And, and I've even uh, noticed and realized, especially over these last few months, you know, your, your solution is actually usable on other platforms where I'm able to like use StreamYard as in a sense as a virtual camera on other programs like uh you know some of these if you want to call them uh virtual events they they allow a live stage and you're able to use Streamyard through uh i, want to, I always get dyslexic but rtmp to allow me to use a lot of your features which i think is great and is that uh is that one of those things that you guys are con you know constantly looking at it's like how can this tie in with other stuff because it is cloud-based yeah, absolutely. The virtual event space is, you know, obviously exploding right now because of the situation that we're in. So, um, yeah, we're actually looking to, to to offer more support for them. Like you said, we do have the RTMP option, but then you lose sort of the niceties of having a direct integration like comments and things like that. So uh, we are in, in talks with some of these virtual events platforms to make those direct integrations so you can get the, the full experience that you get on like a Facebook or a YouTube or a a uh, LinkedIn. And um, yeah, the, the cloud certainly plays a role there for them and for us. So uh, obviously, because the because they're actually hosting the stream, essentially every virtual events platform is a cloud-based uh, solution a as well. Um, and uh, that, that's not to say that you couldn't use, like you could totally use OBS or Wirecast or vMix with those virtual event uh, platforms. And the, I mean, the advantages and disadvantages go back to what we said before. So you have full customizability, but you are relying on your own computer. Um, versus the cloud where there is some extra reliability there uh, as far as like the system having issues or something like that. So is it basically just true to say that all I really need is a good quality, stable internet connection to oh, that's a good point. Well, cloud-based solution? I mean, is that is that kind of the best way to look at it, I guess? Absolutely. So yeah, I should have noted that. So one of the most important things when you are using a cloud-based solution is going to be the internet connection, because unlike unlike the uh, the downloadable stuff where it's happening locally, all the mixing is happening locally with a cloud based first, your data has to get into the cloud. So if you have a great internet connection and a low power device, uh, it's still going to be a great uh, experience because it's doing all the heavy lifting on the cloud. But if you have a super powerful comp computer and a bad internet connection, it's it's not going to be a great experience because not all your data what you get what what you get out can only be as good as what you put in. So if it's not all getting into the cloud. Uh, you're you're going to have a bad experience. But even for a downloadable software, if your internet is not so good, it's, it's it, it can cause issues as well. It's just not as much of a problem because of the real-time component. So when you're using a downloadable software and it's just you streaming, if you're on a poor Wi-Fi connection or you're dropping packets, uh, that stuff can basically buffer up. So it's like, okay, a bit more delay will happen in the in the stream, but it will still be smooth. But for uh, for software that facilitates 
guests, that's not really an option because you have to maintain the way we're having a conversation. One of us can't just start be like 10 seconds behind or something, right? So it has to maintain that real-time connection. So having a good internet connection is, is of course, of I should have mentioned it, and it's, it's extremely important. Fantastic. So Jim, do you have another question for Gage? Well, well, yeah, actually, and I guess this is maybe the reason why you guys have been able to allow people to actually live stream from their tablets or even their mobile phones. I mean, because it is the cloud-based solution and, uh, you know, and, and we'll maybe talk about this a little bit uh, later, but I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people have liked, even though me personally, and I think Christian as well, think that doing stuff from the computer is really your best option. Cause you know, when you're working on that really small device, it's about the size of these screens right here. It's kind of hard to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and like you said, the cloud does play a role there and that it's pretty hard. Like phones are very powerful, but especially with the like live switching of guests or changing layouts, um, some of that would be pretty intense if you're having to uh, mix and encode on the phone itself. So the cloud is helpful uh, there. But like you, I'm, I'm definitely more into the uh, having the landscape of a computer with multiple screens and whatnot. I try not to be too... Uh, judgmental just because some people are, I'm always <laughs> imp uh, impressed with how, especially the youth, how, how much they can do on those tiny uh, screens. So we'd, we'd certainly like to support those people that don't even have laptops and computers, but I, I'm with you personally, at least that uh, I, I prefer desktop laptop experience. And it also depends on the location where you're at in the world as well. So, you know, some countries, for example, they primarily use mobile as their, you know, it's not just like, Hey, it's, it's their computer, but at the same time, that's how they know to do things, for example, versus having, you know, a phone they purchased and having an additional laptop. Some places, you know, people can't afford that. So they go with what they have. You know, I love the ingenuity, you know, and the fact that they, they try to make it work. But yes, uh, you definitely, you know, using a computer with multiple screens is much, much, much easier if you have the chance to try that out for live streaming. So, if somebody who wanted to get started with live streaming, for example, you know, using StreamYard or in this case, you know, the cloud-based solution, browser-based solution, like what are three tips that you can share with viewers and listeners? You know, what do they need to make this happen? I mean, there's a lot of different components. I know you mentioned overlays. I know we talked before this about countdown timers. We just talked about internet, but you know, are there any tips that you think can really get people off on the right foot or anything that will help them, you know, move themselves in the right direction and see, you know, a, a solid impact at the start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the most important stuff isn't even necessarily uh, technical or, or tool oriented. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trite uh, saying, but I do think, you know, starting with why you actually want to, to live stream is uh, really important. And sort of what we talked about at the beginning doing the research to determine like, is this worthwhile for, for me? Like, are, is there enough demand for this type of content? Uh, do I actually want to make this content? And before you start doing anything, uh, decide why you're actually doing it and what your, what your sort of KPI, like key performance indicator uh, is going to be. Because I've been super surprised to hear like, what, is, what different people consider a success. So, uh, so it matter, and it also is gonna matter a lot as far as your strategy uh, for, for what that okay. KPI actually is. So for some people it's, you know, I've, I've seen some people that get 50 live viewers and they consider that to not be a success because it's not, they wanna have enough viewers that they can actually make ad money and have a huge presence mm -hmm. and 50, 50 okay. viewers is not uh, acceptable at all. Um, 
And so if that's the case, you're going to have a different strategy than other people I've talked to who maybe get a couple viewers and they get, uh, and they consider it to be a huge success because they use the show in a different way. So like for some, like one, one interesting use case I've seen with people is the focus is not even a hundred percent the viewer. Part of the KPI is the networking effect of the guests. So it's more about the guests. Like they have, uh, maybe they have a product or service where forming that relationship with the guest of having them on the show is much more important than, uh, how many people are actually watching the show, or maybe they do have a decent amount of people watching the show, but that's not actually the KPI. The KPI is how many of these connections can I form? Um, so I, I guess the point I'm making is what you just, how you decide to do things and how you measure things is going to be what you think is a success is really important. So start with that before you do anything. Um, okay. Second tip is uh, fully commit. So it takes it takes time, right? So like when Dan and I started our weekly show, we probably had like five people watching every uh, every week. Um, and now, you know, it's been about two years. We have, I think, almost 200 people, 200 live people watching uh, every every week. So if you're going to do it, decide, do it long enough that you can actually look at your, look at what you've done and determine whether or not it was uh, a success. Otherwise, I, I think it's too easy to give up if you don't really commit to it because it takes time to really get that traction and really build a, uh, a successful show. Um, and the third, sorry, go ahead. I'll just say, so, okay. So for something like that, how much time should I give something before I like, is there a time where, you know, Hey, after two years, if I'm getting, you know, five viewers, for example, or 50 viewers, do I like, do I give up at that point? Like when is there, when's that threshold, I guess? Sure. That's a good question. So I can't tell you when you should or shouldn't give up, but I'd say as far as like what your initial commitment should be, I'd say at a minimum, um, I mean, I guess it depends how much content you make, but at, at a minimum of six months, like go for six months, uh, maybe even a year before you actually consider like, should I just stop this uh, right. completely? Because it's, I've seen so many shows where it's like, like nothing happens, nothing happens for a very long period of time. And then they finally hit their stride and it just takes off uh, completely. And like, you're never going to hit it if you don't, you know, commit to really seeing things through till the end. So I wouldn't say give up after six months, but I'd say six months is a long enough period of time for you to maybe reevaluate on your strategy and whether or not this is the direction you want to go. Okay. And third item. Uh, third item is pick content that like you love. So pick, and again, I, I, I feel like there's all these parallels between whether it's you're starting a podcast, a company or, or whatever, pick something that you can really seek your, sink your teeth into that you can make all kinds of content about because in order to stick with it for that commitment period, you can't do that if it's just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to make a show about this because I saw something on it and it seems cool. It's like your, your heart is not going to be in it. So pick something that you can just naturally, like if someone was to you know ask you a question about it, that you could speak about for hours just because you love that subject. And just that alone will will everything will sort of fall into place. <laughs> like if if, you, if you're passionate about the subject, you'll figure out the rest. Whereas if you if you aren't passionate about the subject, it's going to take an insane amount of willpower and there's a good chance that it just, you'll just give up. So pick something, pick a subject that you just love. Fantastic. And I, I notice you left out nothing related to hardware, nothing related to tools, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we talked about internet, obviously you do need stable internet for the most part, but you know, a lot of people, they go into live streaming and it's sort of, I guess there's a bit of a blur on what commitment means, I guess, because they look at it, as commitment is, oh, hey, I buy that $200 or $500, sorry, let's up those prices, $500 camera, you know, oh, I get that, you know, 
couple hundred dollar mic. So right there, I spent like seven, eight hundred dollars. Oh yeah, and then I buy the service, and then oh, I buy you know a, a gaming machine, for example, because hey, I heard I need a lot of power. Um, you know, so I love the fact that you mentioned nothing about having to have really expensive gear and hardware and tools. I mean, it really is taking your imagination and something you're passionate about and just running with it. Because as you mentioned, I mean, if, if you really care about that subject, you can speak about it ad nauseum. So, you know, I love that. So Jim, do we have any other questions for Gage or anything you want to add to this? Yeah. Yeah. Gage. Um, so you brought up some great points here and I think part of it is audience building. So it can seem very difficult, especially when you're first starting out. So what are some things that you've seen? Because obviously as the co-founder of StreamYard, you've seen a lot of probably people come and go. What are you seeing as kind of those keys to success for audience building? Because I think the, the challenge is a lot of people, even going back to what Christian just said, they just think like, oh, well, if I follow these six steps in three weeks, I'll have success and be making millions of dollars off of live streaming. But that's we know that's not really the case. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess there's there's the high level strategy and then there's the actual uh, tactics. So going back to what I said before, the number one thing is is those three things. And then I think if you have those things sorted out, uh, it, it'll be much easier for you to just figure things out on, on your own. But as far as actual tactics, things that I've seen work well, um, interviews are great because uh, especially if you have a system in place and you uh, that you that you leverage the audience of the person you're you're interviewing. So every time you you uh, interview a guest, uh, not only are you promoting that that guest to your own network, they're also promoting you, hopefully, uh, to, to their own network. So that can be, if you create a system in place uh, for that, where you're just every guest you follow up, like, here's the show, please share it out, um, whatever else, that can be a, a systematic way for every time you do a show, you're reaching new eyes and, and, and new listeners, and it's benefiting both you uh, and and the guest. So that's, that's one tactic that I've seen uh, some people uh, that, that works really, really well uh, for for certain people. Uh, the other one is um, some uh, is repurposing it in some way. So if if you can use the show for multiple things, so if you do a lot of prep for a particular show, like pick a the same way that you would go about writing a blog post for SEO. So pick a a subject uh, that that resonates with the audience that you're trying to to target, and really put in the effort to create a high quality show that that hits on that content. Um, and then after it's over, turn that show into, you know, a blog post or, or a podcast. And um, that's more of a, a long-term uh, investment, um, uh, but it will pay off assuming you're making good content for, for those people that are searching those keywords and ultimately find uh, your show and your, your website and whatever else you're doing uh, through, through sort of the SEO of your, of your content. I've seen that work well, particularly for people that can't leverage that sort of guesting advantage if they're not doing uh, interviews. The other one is I do think is sort of the community building aspect. So I do think you should have an email list. So um, I wouldn't just like, if you already have a big email list, I wouldn't blast them constantly with your, with your shows. I would be, t uh, you should be careful about segmenting it into first finding out like, okay, first do an email, finding out like how many of you are interested in this show. Uh, but once you've done that and you've segmented your list properly, um, regularly engaging people over email with your, with your latest show and your latest guest can be a great way to, uh, the same way we built StreamYard by, by building this sort of uh, brand and community component. You can do the same thing for, for your, for your show. And I will say this, I mean, to the whole email list point, you know, it makes a lot of sense to, for example, maybe at the beginning, you want to send out, you know, a broad message to every one of your, every one of your people on your lists. 
but you also want to then have a separate list. And um, one thing I would tell people to do is your email marketing service, a lot of times they do include a tagging feature. And so when you go to send out that email, you can go behind the scenes before you send it out. And let's say it's an, a link to your you know, show, for example, or a website or a page on your website or something, you know, and you can say, hey, if you're interested in, for example, my show, click on whatever the link is, and you can have behind the scenes a tag that is the title of your show. And you can then run a separate email campaign that says, hey, you know, uh, thanks a lot for clicking on my link. I wanted to invite you to join an email list where we broadcast you know, when the show is going to be, if there's a recap and so on. So that way it can help you uh, quickly segment that audience, I think, a lot better and make sure, you know, you're not just bombarding people that are on your list with information that they might not necessarily be interested in. This helps you easily move those people. So I think those are some great points there. Um, so Jim, uh, you want to ask the next question of Gage? Yeah. So, so Gage, I, I mean, from my perspective, you know, as a I mean, not, not necessarily, I won't say I'm an outsider because I'm not, you know, in the, in the boardroom there, but you guys have had some incredible growth at StreamYard, you and Dan as a team. What do you see as the future for, for you and for StreamYard? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Dan and I love what we're doing, right? Like we love, uh, like the, the, my biggest enjoyment in life is making products that are useful to people. So we want to continue creating as much value as we possibly can for, for our user base and for community, for our community, because, it's what we enjoy. It gives me a sense of purpose, and we, we like doing that. Um, and I do think we'll always stay true to our, our, our three pillars, ease of use, stability, and professional streams. Like, we always want to be a tool that just sorts, that just sort of gets out of your way. Because, like, like, back to my tips, none of my tips were about the about tools themselves, because I think that ultimately reflects how Dan and I view StreamYard, is it always should be something that just gets out of your way for the folks that are passionate about the content itself, the tools that we want to make tools that are really easy because the tool is not the important part. You're, you're, you're the important part and your content's the important part. Uh, so we just want to make tools that make it really easy for you to, uh, to, to, to go live and have a great uh, experience. So no, that's not the most exciting answer is that we'll just continue, you know, uh, being as true to those three pillars as we can and, and just supporting people and listening to, to our, our users to create the best uh, product possible. But that's, that's where we're at. I mean, the growth has been insane, obviously, because of the, the pandemic and everything. So we're also a big focus, especially of mine, is, you know, making great hires and, and growing our team and having um, a great company culture and all that sort of stuff as we, uh, as we grow. But the, still, the fundamentals are always, you know, make, make a product that people love is what we're about. No, I mean, I, and I think overall, I mean, this has just been a very eye-opening, you know, interview with you. I mean, just, you know, the fact that you're using a cloud-based solution. I mean, I love the fact that you clarified that because, you know, a lot of people, they go into this thinking they either have to, they think they have to spend a ton of money to get that, you know, uh, to get that live stream that, you know, you're going to be doing, for example, from a sporting event and things like that, or, you know, they, they're going to use the native solution, you know, whether it's like a Facebook live or a YouTube live or doing something direct, you know, and, and for something like that, well, then they're like, well, Hey, I need the hardware. I need, the equipment and whatnot, but I love, absolutely love how you've clarified that for people because, um, you know, I, I think that's a real like important point. They should basically be able to live stream. And as you said, I mean, let everything else kind of get out the way, you know, and a lot of people, I think for them to get started, I mean, it's already, you know, it's an uphill battle, like, Oh, well they got to save up the money for something that they really necessarily don't need. Right. So I love how you absolutely clarified that. Uh, Jim, do we have anything else we want to ask age? 
Yeah, Gage, what's the best way for people to connect with you? I mean, I know, uh, obviously, they can follow StreamYard, but, you know, people like to follow you, too. You know, you've become a celebrity, whether you like it or not. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's kind of you to to, to say. So uh, I'm still fairly active everywhere there, where StreamYard is. So, I mean, joining our, our StreamYard community group is a great way to, to connect with me or just following our, our, our Facebook page or, or YouTube channel. I stay to, I try to stay very active there. Um, but personally, if you want to connect with me completely, like or truly directly, um, I did actually create a Twitter <laughs> this year, 2020. I made a Twitter account, so you can uh, you can tweet at me if you like. Uh, my Twitter handle is just my my first name and my last initial, so uh, Gage V, just G E I G E uh, V. Have a LinkedIn as well if you want to find me uh, find me there. But Streamyard is probably the just Streamyard is probably the best way to 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 connect. With Fantastic. Me. So I want to thank everybody for joining us for episode 29 of the Launch Your Live podcast, where we discussed how to live stream using cloud and browser-based solutions with Gage Vanatop, co-founder of StreamYard. Gage, absolute pleasure having you on both the YouTube live interview and on the podcast, uh, but absolute pleasure. And uh, we're looking forward to you know bringing more users to StreamYard. I mean, they definitely need to check it out. It's a fantastic piece of software. So thanks a lot for of course. tuning in. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It was a great uh, time. For those of you, by the way, who want to get more information, head to launcher.live forward slash EP29, and we'll see you all on a future episode. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Launch Your Live podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Also, visit launchyour.live for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to even more episodes that will help you level up your live videos. That's launchyour.live. So until next time, keep going live.